This, this podcast, podcast is wow. fantastic. This time, cover it in mellow. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of What If Tyler Perry Had a Writer's Room podcast here on the Black Tastic Podcast Network. I'm Panama Jackson, the host for this momentous occasion. I am joined by uh, two individuals whose writing I enjoy very much. One I've worked with several times, another I've enjoyed from afar. They are both from Detroit, which means that who knows where this could go. It's a rather angry city. So um, I'd like to welcome Demetria Irwin and Dustin Seibert to the podcast. How y'all doing? Hey, what up, though? Good, good. All is well. What's happening? I'm chilling, chilling. You're supposed to hit the what up though too. Like that was that's the the, the standard issue. Um, exactly. Detroit. She, she did it first. I didn't want to come in like I was trying to step on her what up those. You know. I don't step All on right, my so, gators. Listen, right, gators. Uh, <laughs> are y'all big into Stacey Adams? Just like Gator Gators. Yeah, Stacey Adams. That works. You know, as long as you have your white bus on as well, and you know, do it yeah. proper, like. Yeah, because we can't afford buffs, right? <laughs> have y'all seen the movie, um, the buffs, whatever? Like the the there, so there's an entire suite of movies out of Detroit with the lead actor's name is Murder Pain. So like Plug Love, <laughs> and I think Two Eleven is one of them. But there's a whole movie about the buffs, about the glasses. Like the whole movie's about these dudes trying to get some, and all the shenanigans. It's like Friday, but like a Detroit movie about sunglasses. I have so. not seen that, but I am extremely interested, and yeah, I'm adding that to my queue, like right now. <laughs> yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Highly recommend. Highly. Well, I, I mean, I recommend that with um a caveat, like the the main character's name is Murder Pain, so you right, know, right, take right. that <laughs> with a grain of salt. Yeah, um, yeah Amazon Prime is a, a huge. It's a it's a treasure chest full of awful great black hood movies. It's the place to be. Panama knows. He knows. Yeah, that's my spot. That's where I get all my blackness from. Um, speaking of black movies, that's why we're gathered here today. We are gathered here in the name of Tyler Perry and his lack of a writer's room. Um, you are both writers, which is why I wanted both of you to be here. I didn't even realize you were both in Detroit, so that little sidebar was just kind of a, um, a fun little factoid that we can have some fun with later. I, am, I did a little bit of time in Detroit. Uh, as a youngster, Hi. so I, I'm not. I'm not going to give. I mean, not jail, but like you know, as a as a youth, you this from Jackson. You knew that, right, Demetria? What? My mother lives in Jackson right now. Oh, uh-huh. um, but my family is mostly Ypsilanti and Ann Arbor. Like my grandma lives off Ecorse Road. Um, uh-huh. I have family in Belleville. I, you know, all there in the in the area. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, right, right. So not Detroit, but yeah. No, they're it. not Detroit. So <laughs> that's what I'm My time in Detroit was very limited as a youth, and the vast majority of it was spent in the Washtenaw County area, which is mm. you know. So I'm gonna let y'all have the, the Detroitness. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you all uh, your bio, your quick bios, real quick, so the end, so the people listening can can know who I have the pleasure of being here with. I'm gonna start with Demetria, who is a New York City based writer and editor. Her work has appeared in numerous publications, including Essence, Vice, Black Enterprise, The Griot, 
the New York Amsterdam News. She's a proud native Detroiter, Afro grower, and genealogy geek, which I'm going to have to ask about because that's interesting. Um, you can catch her on Twitter and Instagram at love underscore is underscore dope. That's Dustin me. Seibert, who it took me forever to get his name right. He actually, the way that Dustin explained me how to pronounce his name was like, whenever whenever I send a piece in Damon always sighs. So it's <laughs> Dustin Seibert. And I've never forgotten when you said that to me. I laughed so hard and I was like, I will never forget this. It wasn't true, but it made me laugh. Um, Dustin has written for Very Smart Brothers several times. He's written for HuffPost, BET, The Root, Ebony, uh, amongst other places. He has a website called whenwafflesattack.com. You can find him on uh, Twitter at Justice2K. And Instagram is the same, too. It's at Justice2K as well. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yep. So, I kind of before I open up, we're, uh, we're going to do the movie Good Deeds, which uh, I think everybody here has watched in the past couple days. Um, I rewatched it before in preparation for this, and I had an interesting experience watching that. So I look forward to getting to that talk. But before we do, I kind of want to uh, briefly go into your like writer journeys, like how you got started writing, like what got you into the game, so to speak. Um, ladies first, Demetria, like what have you always been a writer and what got you into writing professionally? Um, I have always been a writer, uh, kind of like every professional writer. I've been writing since I was in kindergarten and I've been keeping journal, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I have right. that whole story, but um, I wasn't even thinking about writing as a profession, even in college. Dustin was on the um, college newspaper, but I wasn't even thinking about that as a profession. I didn't see it as something I could do. do. Um, so I got a graduate degree in urban planning, um, did that for a while, um, decided that I wanted to switch gears and I needed to just give it a shot, give writing a shot to see if I could actually do it. I didn't want to be 50 something and regretting it. So I quit my job and started cold pitching places. Um, Because I had the urban planning background, I was able to pitch myself as an urban planning expert. And that's how I landed my first article a couple months after I quit. Um, And it just kind of started spiraling from there. I got my first staff job not long after that. And it's just been on that for more than a decade now. What was the first staff job? The first staff job was um, the New York Amsterdam News. Um, I published a a story, I pitched a story about um, zoning on 125th Street, which they hadn't written about yet at all. They picked it up and picked me up as a staffer a couple months later. Huh. How about that? And explain Mm -hmm. the genealogy geek part. Oh, I love genealogy. I love family tree stuff. I love digging into things. I'm on Ancestry.com obsessively. Um, A piece I just posted in Zora Magazine, Medium's new, well, not new, but Medium's vertical uh, for women of color. I just posted a thing about my great-great-grandmother. It did really well. Um, I just like meeting my ancestors. Uh, I have a 100-page pension file from my Civil War veteran ancestor. And he was born in the 1830s, you know, and it's like I got to read all about him and uh his medical reports how tall he was the colored eyes were like all this stuff um so i just enjoy it wow that's actually fascinating most people can't do that (laughs) well most Um, people don't take the time to or just it doesn't you know doesn't you got to know where to start you got to know where to go you got to be yeah it's it's a pretty active process i had a friend who was really into that she ended up sending me a bunch of um census records and stuff like that from Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather, my great grandfather, uh, 
people I didn't even realize were my family. Like she dug into my family records in um, in Georgia and Alabama and stuff like that. She got back to like the very, very late 1800s on something um, like blew my mind. So. Yeah, I can go back to the earliest birth date I have is the late 1700s. Um, Saswell wow. Stewart, a free mulatto from North Carolina. Nice, <laughs> so, it, nice. you know, you can find stuff. Even black folks can find stuff. All right, right. mulatto gang. All right, all right. Dustin, what's your what's your background? What's your writing story background? I know some of this be through other people that know you from the University of Michigan. I hear you were quite the shit starter and flamethrower back in your college days. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Demetria was there. Demetria, she's she's got some years on me. She got a whole bunch of years on me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, youngin. <laughs> she was there when I she was there when I was there. Um, no, nah, I mean, I, I, I've been writing since I was a little boy. I kept a journal because I was really into airplanes when I was a kid. And, you know, my father was a private pilot, so he used to fly me around. And I had a little journal where I would write about these these mythical fighter jets and shit. So I was a fan of Top Gun and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. then I got into writing. Um, I, did, I did really kind of get into it in college. Uh, I got a, got a hold of, like, the black email listserv. So every all the black email lists, and I created a um, I created an account, and it was specifically designed from writing these editorials. You know, I I called myself the manifesto. That was like my my um, nom de plume for you know a couple years, and a handful of people knew who I was. Some didn't, and like it you know, slowly kind of came out like, oh, this manifesto guy blowing up our fucking email box, Dustin. <laughs> I started writing for the school newspaper and I had a column in there. At the same time, I started writing actual journalistic stories about music. So I was doing music reviews. I was interviewing uh, people who did concerts on University of Michigan's campus for the school newspaper in Michigan daily. Among them is, uh, you know, like I interviewed Talib Kweli a couple times. And then I, I parlayed that into doing a freelance work for the Detroit News while I was in college. Like I have, I literally did writing a, um, the, the the film critic there at the time, Tom Long. He took me under his wing um, and he had me write, you know, writing stuff and, and getting a little freelance money when I was working at the new, when I was still in college, like, I was doing stories, getting paid $150, $200, which was all the money in the world to me back then. Um, and it's the same today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. I've been doing writing in some capacity ever since. <clears throat> got you. Got you. Okay. So y'all some real, some, some um, industry vets, so to speak. So the point of this podcast, as you all know, is we analyze, critique, discuss, Tyler Perry films. I already mentioned we're going to do the movie Good Deeds. Before we dive into this movie in particular, I have two general questions. Number one, for both of you, if you could list five of your favorite movies, just so people get an idea of what kind of movie person you are. It doesn't have to be five. You don't have five. Just a couple, one or two movies, whatever. Just to give people an idea of the movies that you watch, you actively like check for when left to your own devices. So, like Dustin, what's give me some of your movies. I got that basic answer. I think Shawshank Redemption has been like my favorite movie for decades. Um, okay. But then you start getting into like, I like uh, Godfather Part 2, um, Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars Episode 5. Um, 
Goodfellas, Bronx Tale. Like I love, I love a lot of those uh those mobster movies. But then I really love um, American History X, Eternal Sunshine, The Spotless Mind. Okay. Sideways is one of my favorite comedies of all time. So, do you like black movies? <laughs> <laughs> not a single black Obviously movie has not. come up in your um. There's black people in some of the movies. We're talking about like my favorites. I know. I'm just, I'm just asking. I mean, look, look. Coming yes, to I, America is one of my favorite movies of all time. Sure. I love Forrest Gump. I love Coming to America. Brown Sugar might be one of my favorite movies because it just entertains me so much. But yeah, and you know, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I, I yeah. like it quite a bit. I mean, we're talking like my favorite movies. We're talking like my favorite black movies. I'm not gonna say no, no, no. I, I was that was more of a joke. I was asking your favorite <laughs> movies just to kind of give an idea of what. Like where you come from, when you're talking about movies, when people talk to movies with you, like where your frame of reference tends to come from in terms of what you think is good movies. So, Demetri, what about you? What, what, let me give me some of yours. Let's see if how much blackness shows up here. Um, a lot. It, <laughs> actually, the first thing that came to mind was like black stuff. Actually, um, but if Bill Street could talk, because that's a, a recent one, but it was just okay, absolutely beautifully, beautifully shot. Um, the color purple. Um, Harlem Nights, like that's one of those movies that whenever it comes on, even when it's on basic cable and half of the movie is, you know, bleeped out, it's still hilarious. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, I just have to. Yeah. Um, Super quotable movie. Super quotable movie. Yeah, like a lot of quote, and it's just every single funny black person was in it. You know, <laughs> like and most of them are dead now, so it's like a really important kind of little documentation of their awesomeness. Um, I like a lot of the the goofy movies, um, like Adam Sandler stuff. Um, I like uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. Um, that cracks me up. Um, hilarious, like, hilarious I like, movie. I like, I like, I like slapstick comedy, over the top stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean that. I mean that's a pretty wide range there. But um, but yeah, but that's the the movies that came to the top of my head when you asked. And hold on, I want to, well, okay, so I just want to bring it up. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think Panama and I had this conversation they were talking about what constitutes a black movie. So, like, two, at least two of the, the movies that I named in my favorites have very prominent black actors in the movies. Does that make them a black movie? No. Morgan Freeman is in Shawshank. James Earl Jones, the primary villain in Empire Strikes Back. Now, that's that's necessarily make them a black movie, but do they get any credit for blackness by having like these black leads? No, 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 no. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving brownie points over here for the sake of it. I feel like, I mean, I do. The question is very legit. Like, what makes a black movie? Like, is is the best man a black movie? Or is it just a movie with black people in it? And that's a valid question, but I like my movies black. So it's typically black movies for me, yeah. though I understand the argument. Um, but, you know, like, fair question. I think that it's one of the, I think that's one of those questions that's going to continuously come up when people are discussing movies like The Color Purple. Like, th- that's where the thing, I think that's where stuff comes up, right? When you got a white director, can a white director tell this story? I think, or even coming to America, right? I think that was mm-hmm. Jonathan Landis, right? Like, he was a director of that. That's a white guy, like. Landis, yeah. Um, fair questions, but so let me, where do you stand with Tyler Perry movies? Like, do you watch them? Do you avoid them? Are you fans or like, where, you know, like Demetri, where do you stand with Tyler Perry movies? Um, I don't usually watch them. Um, I watched my very first Tyler Perry film was, um, why did I get married? 
um, some okay. years ago. And it, that opening weekend, we went to go see it. A friend of mine got married. And so the next day we all went to go see why did I get married kind of thing, just cute, whatever. And it was, it was actually a cute movie. Like Medea wasn't in it. Um, they had like some cute, cute little moments between friends, how people really talk to each other, you know, like, all right, uh, mm-hmm. some of the same tropes. But uh, as far as the other things, I watched The Fall from Grace uh, because I had to, because I mean, you could Everybody was watching that. Watch. <laughs> um, that um, but the only other time I've watched, uh, intentionally watched the Tyler Perry movie from beginning to end was for work um, because I had to interview um, someone in the cast or, or something like that. But otherwise, like, it's just, um, I'm not his target audience. <laughs> like, so I don't, I mean, he keep it pushing. I mean, that's great. He has hired a lot of black creatives. A lot of people have made checks off him over the years. He's a, a generous guy from what I understand of even stuff he's been doing during this COVID pandemic and stuff. But um, his movies aren't generally for me. So, nope. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Dustin. Um, the first uh, Tyler Perry movie I watched, I think the first one, which was what, Diary of a Mad Black Woman? That was the first yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Um, I did watch that. And the thing about Tyler Perry, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, but like as a standalone movie, that was not not enjoyable, right? Oddly enough, I was just talking to somebody about Wood Harris and I was like, yeah, you need to check out his brother's movies. And now I'm just his brother, Steve Harris. I'm just thinking about that movie now. If that movie was all at Tyler Perry and I, I didn't know anything about his plays um, I knew that he, you know, he he was kind of a, a force at that time for his 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 uh, theater work in terms of a force in the black community anyway. But when I watched that movie, I was like, oh, shit. Like, you know, back then what was like 2000 and 2005. Yeah. Like back then, like, oh, who, who is he? Like that was that was it was novel back then. Now. It's, oh, this nigga's made the same movie 17 times already. And I'm definitely at the point where I am not a Tyler Perry. I'm very much been a Tyler Perry critic, right? And I feel like being a Tyler Perry critic has gotten complicated uh, in recent years because you recognize the things that he's done for Black Hollywood, Black actors. He's given actors roles like respected actors like Violet, Violet Davis, people who went out. Give a shot. <laughs> yeah, like he he was the one that kind of put him. And on some, you know, when when he opened his huge, you know, compound of a studio last year, and ninety percent of black black actors in Hollywood came to attend the gala. It was like, oh, this is dope. Like, good for you. Like, you're doing something that these, you know powerful white people do and you have your own studio and blah 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 but then it's tough when you contextualize that with the actual content coming out of it and so i don't have i i have never had a problem you know expressing my disdain for his actual content and and when people complain about him not having a writer's room like i look at it from a, I was one of those people. I was like, okay, well, yeah, obviously he doesn't have a writer's room, but whatever he's doing works for him. The dude is paid. He's popular. He has a he has a staying power in Hollywood that a lot of people don't have. 
and if whatever he's doing works for him, who am I to sit there and say that he needs a writer's room? Like he basically yeah. told all you niggas, y'all can kiss my ass. I don't need a writer's room. Like you see this money I'm making over here. You see this guap. You see this bag. He's good. Yeah, I mean so, that's that's the that's the general question with Tyler Perry. Like right, taking the good with the bad. The man by himself, like you said, Demetri, he's done a lot of. As a human being, he seems like a, a pretty solid human being. Like he does a lot. He's built opportunities. He's done a lot with his money to help individuals in need. Um, just employing an entire sector of blackness in terms of creating his Tyler Perry cinematic universe. But the product itself is fairly lackluster at times. And as somebody who is, because of this podcast, I'm watching all of these movies now. It's the, the themes and the, the, the tropes that everybody talks about are starting to become very apparent to me. So it's becoming interesting to watch these movies because now I'm looking for certain things to happen and boom, they always happen. You know what I'm saying? So, um, which leads us into good deeds. All right. So I'm going to, so I'm going to do a couple things. I'm going to read you the IMDB synopsis. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to, we're going to talk about everybody who's in it. Then we're going to do the Rotten Tomatoes. Um, So according to IMDB, this is the synopsis of the movie. Uh, Came out uh, January 24, 2012. Businessman Wesley Deeds is jolted out of his scripted life when he meets Lindsay, a single mother who works on the cleaning crew in his office building. Stars Tandy Newton, obviously. Uh, Tyler Perry is the lead. Uh, Tandy Newton, Gabrielle Union. Uh, Felicia Rashad is in this movie. Brian White. So Felicia Rashad and Brian Brian White are in a a tremendous number of... um, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry movies, it turns out. Brian, right? So, yeah, yeah. He, Brian White is in a lot of his movies. I knew Brian White was. I didn't know that Felicia Rashad was in all those damn Tyler Perry movies. She is She is a go-to. She is a stalwart of Tyler Perry films at this point. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 34% on, on the tomato meter, which oh. is fairly trash, but that's the all critics. The top critics, it got an 8%. <laughs> Now, wow. the audience score was 76%, though. I don't know exactly what that means. I guess maybe people that enjoyed it or what the audience thought of it as opposed to the critics. So that's, you know, kind of a, that's a hell of a contrast. Right. And I have to admit that watching this movie, I didn't hate this movie. This what? was actually not a bad movie. It's not a great movie, but it's not a bad movie. Like, in terms of Tyler Perry movies... Of the ones that I've watched in the past few months, and I've watched a lot of these intentionally, it's actually one of the, to me anyway, one of the few with the least amount of standout issues. Now, don't get me wrong. It has its problems. But in terms of just like blatant, like, what are you doing? Like, oh, you just completely, like, you just completely issue. Like, there's a, here goes a plot hole. You just dropped the plot hole in there and was like, forget it. There are some movies that I've seen of his that the plot holes are are craters. They're Grand Canyon size. And this doesn't have the same type of plot holes as some of the other movies to me. Like overall watching it, I was like, huh, I don't hate this movie. I'm not mad at it. There are definitely some things. I mean, we'll get into it, but it's a Tyler Perry movie very clearly. Um, I probably would have given it a three and a half out of five. Or I would give it a three and a half out of five before I, before I do anything to make any fixes to this movie. Where do you all stand with this movie? Like, what are your overall overall thoughts on the movie, Demetria? What's your overall thoughts? Um, it's you. it's very thin, um, like a lot of his movies are. His characters are is just like here's this cardboard and here's Tyler Perry. 
um, have at it guys. Um, and like, so like, um, when I was about eight or nine years old, my cousins and I would make movies. I would literally write the screenplay for these movies. We had a guest camp murders because, you know, guest jeans and stuff was a thing at the time. Um, and the mummy, and it would just be like, all right, we know we want this to happen. We know we want a big bloody scene and this and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And that was really it. It was like, here are these points and we're going to do stuff in between, but we really just want the big shoot em up scene or we just right. want the thing. And that, it felt like he was just like, yeah, I want to write about this fifth generation Ivy League guy, <laughs> which is hilarious. This fifth generation Ivy funny. League guy who um, has everything, but all the women in his life have just control of them in different ways. And he finds someone who makes himself, who makes them, open up and get loose and listen to two PAC and all that. But it's like, but it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Like, I don't believe anything. There's no chemistry between anyone at all. Like in this movie. You didn't, Tandy Newton had wonderful (laughs) on-screen chemistry. You didn't didn't feel the love tonight when you were watching him and Tandy Newton, like, smooch it up. That didn't. Absolutely not. Felt uncomfortable. Um, like, no. There's just a, it's a lot of no's um, there. And obviously, this was filmed years ago, like before the Me Too thing. And certain um, certain tropes would just have not made it to the movie at all. You know, like have your boss. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't think Tyler Perry gives one damn about well, about. I mean, uh, like, not with the. It's just writing anyway. It would have had a different reception. Put it that way. But like having your boss is basically giving you an apartment has created childcare just for you. Um, and you take that, like you're a homeless single mom. Like what are the dynamics there? And he shows up to the apartment he gave you without even calling. Nah, bruh. So I think that would actually play, cause I think because his base is largely conservative Christians, mm-hmm. um, I think that plays just fine to that entire base, no matter when it's released. Now, I think you're right. Like in, in, if this movie got released to Netflix in 2020, like A Fall from Grace, it gets received completely. I, I think it mm-hmm. gets, I think a lot of things get received differently. But there's a way, this would be one of those movies based on the way that you see it versus a lot of dudes like, man, he's just being a stand-up guy, just trying to be there to take care, you know, help somebody out. Like, he's somebody with something. Like, this would be one of those movies that splits down the middle between toxic masculinity, which we see a lot of because his brother is pretty much a terrible human being. And <laughs> right. Versus also him, who's favorite. the stand-up guy, right? Mm-hmm. You get, so you know that's the. I, I actually agree with you. I think this movie probably could have been shortened to to, to thirty minutes, and um, <laughs> and yeah, and also while I was watching this, I started wondering if some of the issues that we have with Tyler Perry movies are that his movies are basically they belong on like um Lifetime or like uh trying to think i can't like aspire tv or something like that they belong Mm -hmm. on those networks but because he's tyler perry they get theatrical releases so if they're limited to a place where people are going there specifically for certain things i think they live just fine the problem is they're they're like they get like released to the general masses as a (laughs) as an event and we treat them as such when they probably belong in a certain place wait so before we go to dustin what would you give it out of five like what would you rate the movie maybe like a 2.5 okay not bad not bad. All right. All right. Dustin, what about you? What are you? What are your overall thoughts on the movie? And then what would you rate it out of five? If we are talking about the Tyler Perry, and mind you, I haven't seen as many Tyler Perry movies as you have. I could probably name the ones I saw 
So the last one I watched was A Fall From Grace. So I'll compare it to that. So yeah, A Fall From Grace was like an exercise in absurdity. And that's why it was such a touchstone, a touch point moment for like black Twitter and all that stuff. Cause we could all sit home and watch it. We didn't have to go to the movie theater. You just had Netflix. And we just all like, it was probably like the last great thing to happen to black Twitter before Corona. <laughs> kicked yeah. So, uh, in comparison to that, uh, it seemed like it had better production values. It seemed like things were more consistent. There weren't niggas eating air and, you know, really absurd wig jobs from what I could see. Uh, yeah. Maybe Demetria has a different perspective on that. You know, I, I don't know. If, you know, the, the hair seemed fine. Um the the thing the thing that sticks out in Tyler Perry movies is like you, you they're full of archetypes and those archetypes tend to you know follow in every single film he has it's it usually goes like this there is the downtrodden uh woe is me black woman and and that black woman is usually in some way saved by saved from a really hideous black man who in this case is brian j white's character by a sanctified another sanctified holier than thou black man and either that's in this case tyler perry's wesley deeds or in some cases it's jesus right uh, I didn't see a whole lot of God and Jesus. This is actually the least Jesus-centric yeah. movie I've seen mm-hmm. of his. Like, God is not, they yeah. know church scenes. Yeah. Nobody says God or Jesus anywhere yeah. in the movie from what I can remember. Yeah. That was actually surprising to me how little Christian-centric this movie was. Right. And I think that was the uh, that was the one piece that was missing. And so when I'm looking at Tyler Perry production, I am going to look for these things and obviously the first thing that stuck out was walter deeds jr like brian white like he had a constant scowl on his face and every like everything that happened with the uh like the 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 parking structure scene where he's like you know this is how you this is how you get the attention of black women call them bitch that type of thing like yeah he's horrible he's he's just a bad human being all around Right. He's supposed to be a bad human being. He succeeds tremendously at being right. a bad human being. But the thing is, it's like, I feel like the best bad human beings have some nuance, right? Like, you know, the reason that we, the reason that we love The Wire so much is because, you know, the bad characters in The Wire had nuance. Or even if they didn't have nuance, there was something restrained. Like, to me, Marlo is like one of the best television villains of all time. But what, cause he's running around with a sky, like, like it was because he was restrained in his madness. Right. But it was like calculated and, but he was still a very vicious person. Brian J. Well, White. I think Brian White was very real. He was realistic. I mean, he was he was over the top. We only saw the one side of him, but you know, angry black dude was like that, that last shout. I, I'm, you're right about the lack of nuance. There was no positivity towards women anywhere. Well, not like he was. He was one note bad. I agree with you. Yeah, there. yeah. That's but I don't think he's. A, I don't think he's entirely unrealistic as as as, as that though. You, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, I just didn't feel like there was any like sense of restraint 
to his character. And again, that is an expectation I have when I watch a Tyler Perry film. It was like, yeah. um, like uh, what's his what's his face, um, um, uh, Avon's brother uh, and uh, Diary of a Mad Man. So yeah, once. Once you literally snap off, you are just like this really, really, really unrestrained, horrible human being. And it's almost like farcical in a sense. And so, and so like, but then you also got like Tyler Perry's character who's like, he's he's supposed to be really saintly and, you know, very restrained. And he's like the, really like this ideal, you know, well-meaning guy and i'm not saying these people don't exist i'm saying that's part of like his formula so yeah that's automatically distracting because i'm looking for it to fit the formula so that so was wait, what would you get what would you give this movie overall like out of five like what would you rate it i mean i i i, I didn't like want to turn the shit off when i was watching i'll probably give it a two out of five I mean, it's not a. Oh, that's a low bar. If turning two doesn't make you want to turn things off, because if it's something to two, I'm typically probably, and for somebody with a, a pretty uh, low bar for what entertains me, um, <laughs> glad you admit. Even even a two might get me like, all right, I can't make it through much more of this. Like two is like pooty tang. I could not make it through more than thirty minutes of pooty tang. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that was that was a hard hard sell for me. When I think of something I never want to watch again, I think of like the second episode of like black as fuck like that's like a one or like i just I'm like i, I never want to see this ever again type of situation but i mean if good deeds is on in the background i'm at the nail salon um and i'm getting my toes done um and somebody's playing you know with the subtitles on i might like crook my head up to watch it and see what's going on check it out yeah. okay so. all right so i I agree with you entirely about the like one noteness. For instance, like uh, Wesley Deeds is one note character. He's just a good guy, right? He's consistent. He's predictable. He does the right thing um, at all times. He's very polite. He's extremely well mannered. Like he's he's like he checks off all these boxes of good guy trope. You know, he he yeah. His his fiance couldn't even imagine him cheating on her like you know there's a, a blonde hair in the bed and she's just like man the dry cleaning you know what i mean brian white complete opposite he's the there's no good there are no redeeming qualities to him that we've seen you see through the whole movie right um you know tandy newton is interestingly like she doesn't have any depth either she's just a you know down on her luck downtrodden woman but there's no but like there's no there's no black man that's the foil for her she's just down on her luck Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, what I've noticed about watching Tyler Perry movies, like Tyler Perry doesn't just he you just don't have a bad day, like he <laughs> kills you ten times in your bad day. Like she don't, you know, she's home. She becomes she's about to she's getting evicted. Yeah, the IRS is taking the little bit of money that she's getting. Lose her um, kid. Yeah, yeah, her kid. Like everything that can go. She ain't got no cell phone. Like everything that can happen to her in a bad way. Mm-hmm. happens to her in a bad way um including a really bad accent <laughs> yeah that the stuff like, doesn't really what, work for her yeah like <laughs> what's wrong with your accent what you trying to do here <laughs> it didn't but i you know funny enough though like i enjoyed somewhat i enjoyed her character just for how ridiculous it was i'm like man there is you're it's like the the she's like the woman version in the pursuit of happiness Oh, Except okay. without any real prospects for any like 
Yeah. Um, like there's just no, there's nothing good on the horizon unless he shows up, right? right? There's literally nothing. There's she's it. It's all bad unless he shows up. Um. So what? So what? Was there anything good about this movie to you? Like the little girl was very cute. She was cute. Um, she remind, she remind me of Blue a little bit. I was like, that looks like Blue. Mm-hmm. She's um anything else like does anything so let me see what did i what did i have that i thought was actually be considered good about the movie um i didn't want to turn it off i didn't hate it like i said earlier i actually was surprised that i that i didn't have any real beef with the movie maybe it's because i'm watching these tyler perry movies so much now the way that i'm viewing them is different because they're in comparison to others um i did think it could have been shortened but i'm just like you know look it's a this is a movie about a guy who's a nice guy who helps somebody and it changes his life. Like they're both each other's like magical Negro. You know what I'm saying? Like they're literally who needed two people that needed each other. Um, He taught her about his privilege. I mean, she taught him about his privilege. Uh, He gave her a place to live. That was nice. You know what I mean? Like Uh all types of creepy strings. Um, (laughs) Yes. But, yes. And it and it didn't even, I don't know, like the the scene where they are kind of confronting each other when she's using the phone, um, and you know he catches her using the phone. Her kid is asleep in the closet, and she is given all the talk back and all the blah 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 blah. Like that is not even remotely realistic. Like she is completely unmoored. She does not have a home. She's trying to hide from child protective services, and she's popping off at her boss. Negative. This absolutely negative. Well, she doesn't realize she that's her boss at first. No, but she, she knows. Realizes, she, but, but she does have she, too much. She she has too much mouth for for somebody with too with a whole lot to lose. Right. With, right. Without Your much, but that little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not how a woman. I don't know, and and that's why the apartment thing just really throws me off too, or at least how it was represented. I mean, she literally had to fend off some rapist attacker guy um, at the shelter or whatever. Oh, I forgot about that. He and, he had her get almost uh, abused and raped at the shelter too. By she way. had a really bad life. <laughs> right, right. So like, so she already has this tenuous relationship with safety with her and her little girl, and now the the man who's giving her all this stuff is trying to kiss her, and he has a fiance and blah blah blah. Like, mm-mm. like, yeah. No. I mean, and, and to and to Demetrius' point about taking the movie in context of the Me Too era. And, and, you know, the Twitter, this movie came out. Yeah, so Twitter was still popping in 2012. But I think right now there's more of a social responsibility when it comes to, you know, movies, particularly how we depict black women in movies, um, which is why, you know, Tyler Perry got ripped to shed, shreds for a fall from grace. Um, it's like, yo, can you have any non-tragic black women in your movie? Well, he got ripped to shreds because the movie's on Netflix. If the movie's just in theaters like normal, I don't think any of us watch the movie, aside from me. Most people aren't going to see it. So that yeah. was my point about the fact that he's going to live in this lane. It, now, if, if he puts all his movies on Netflix, that changes. Because all of a sudden, the critiques are going to roll in constantly because everybody's going to watch them just because the, the social media uproar yeah, over yeah, them right. is going to continue to grow. That's the only reason I watched it. So yeah, if this movies are just in theaters like usual or they're on, you know, the Christian broadcast network or something like that, the message trumps how you get there. You know what I'm saying? Like the good deed, no pun intended, kind of trumps 
what happens in the interim. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't, I don't agree with that as a, as it's okay, but you know, with, with message oriented things, that's how, that's, that's what tends to happen. Right. What, uh, was there anything, like, was there anything else that I thought that was really good about it? And probably there was, a, so it's funny, even though I, I didn't have many problems with it, there were a lot more cringeworthy moments for me than there were good moments. Now that I think about it, like him pretending he doesn't know who Tupac is. Like or mm-hmm. and then that the terrible dancing that he was doing. I have I have one really significant bad thing about this movie. I want to hear y'all's first. One mine is gonna come back and probably undo a lot of what I said earlier. But like what are what are the things that stood out to a couple of things that stood out to was like bad, bad that you would if you're in a writer's room, if your job is literally hinging on you fixing this movie and making it better, like what are things that immediately stand out to you that you're like, this has to go? Like this has to be something that I fit. I think, well, for me, I, I happen to be engaged to be married right now. Um, so, you know, this is all about Congrats. this engaged thank you, about this engaged coupled stuff. Like their their conversations? What? I mean, you know, like, hey, did you sleep with her? No. All right, well, we shouldn't get married. I mean, like, what? Like, who, like, who has this lukewarm-ass conversation about a, a life decision? I mean, it sort of goes with their uh, relationship that has, like, yeah. no intimacy, basically, um, right. kind of thing. It seemed like they really right. didn't want to be with each other. They were just there because they were supposed to be together. They, they right. kind of acknowledged that, though. It's, it's mm-hmm. a, like, you know, yeah, really- and it's... Right, right. And it's also like, y'all are like way old to be on some, but my mom said, and my dad sobs. Um, like, what? Like, you are literally the CEO of a company. Um, so I don't know, that that stuff didn't ring true to me, like, at all. Like, it, like I said, there was no chemistry in this movie at all. Um, and with uh, Tandy Newton's character, she didn't have, we didn't have any friends, family members, nothing. There was no one in her ear like, girl, what is going on? Or like, why Why is this man doing this? Or blah, blah, blah. Um, even with Gabriel Union finding a hair in the bed, he's um, fucking her different. He's uh, dancing around a Tupac and all that. Those are things that like, that would definitely make you think like, oh, he Well, is- she did realize it though. Remember she like did. when she thought, it's like, it seems like you slept with me like, I was a different person. And then it's like, and oh, she had like, that look off to the side, like, <laughs> you know, she had that moment of reflection, like, oh my goodness. Right. And I like, it could have, like, another person. the movie could have played with that a little more. Like, she never even knew about the motorcycle ride or the fact that he gave this chick a whole ass apartment. Like, that kind of stuff. <laughs> what if she had found out that stuff on her own and then it made her think, like, oh, wait, is my unpredictable ass fiance doing my predictable ass fiance doing unpredictable shit, you know, that could have been something else. And, you know, who knows? Maybe she does shit to uh, mess with Handy Noon or something. I don't know. Just something. Something else. Like, just give me something. Is this one of those cases where you think maybe if it had been, like, could another casting for Tyler Perry, like, if he wasn't in the movie, if you put somebody who had, I don't know, more, put Idris Elba in that role, like, does it make a difference? Or is it just the character that bad anyway? Because he's so one note in general. Mm-hmm. Like, like I guess the script needs work, obviously. I mean, I agree with you there. The script definitely needs some substantial work. Yeah, the whole the whole movie is Wesley. Just this predictable one note little thing. <laughs> like, and that's it. Yeah. Dustin, what you got? What's something something that was that, that irked you that you would want to change? Like something that just got to you that you were like, this this gotta go. This this had to be fixed. I mean, just 
like I said, Wesley Jr. was probably, or Walter Jr. rather, was probably uh, the the thing that just irked me the most. Like, I'm used to, you know, you know, Brian J. White is just kind of typecast as the angry nigga and the, the quasi-villain in every film that he's in. And, I mean, I don't know why that is. I don't think he's, like, a particularly fantastic actor. You know, he's a good-looking guy and all that, but... He, I was just like, yo, can we like slow this dude down a little bit? Can we just dial it back just a little, just a little bit? Scowl on his face all to her. Because dad wanted this. And these black women that and mom, I can't stand you, mom. Like, I was like, yo, restrain, restrain. Um, and the other issue was probably one that I like, I feel like I want to have an aside about Gabrielle Union for a second. All right, let's do it. It's just because for some reason she's been popping up in a lot of stuff I've been watching. Don't ask me why. It's just that it just happened that way. Okay, no judgment, bro. Like, I, you got a Gabrielle Union thing. It's fine. Dwayne Wade is probably completely comfortable with this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, like, I watched Cradle to the Grave not too long ago. I watched Top Five, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, when did. Gabrielle Union kind of get typecast or relegated as the, the uptight wife or whatever. Yeah, the underwritten, like really attractive, like you look like you want this on the surface, but you probably don't really want this type person. Like, you know, being Mary Jane, I feel like was a, a role of substance for her, but like in movies, she's just she's just kind of there to be cute. And maybe a little sassy. I actually thought she was probably the most, um, this is a terrible statement, don't get me wrong, most developed character in this movie, which is saying something because I'm like, oh, look, so she has feelings. And, you know, she's in this relationship with her, with her but she gets out of the relationship. Like, wow, look, they, they gave her choices. You know what I mean? Like, she got, she, yeah, she came she in here a, with choices. She has a mom and a, brain. and a friend. And, yeah. Yeah, she got, you, you can gain things about her from what happens in this movie. Nobody, everybody else is exactly what they are. So, you know, it just, I, I, unfairly perhaps, I don't think that much of Gabrielle Union as an actress, though I do like her, like I love her as a human being, but, you know, same thing. I mean, she just, she does a good, she does a good enough job to not be somebody that I'm like, why are they in this movie? <laughs> I, I I like Gabrielle Union. And to your point, Dustin, the um, movies you mentioned, those are all, more dude-centered movies too where her characters weren't even fleshed out really you know kind of you know so you kind of get what you get you know with that not only so much she can do with a line a page of you know lines a a line of a page yeah good point yeah Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean just that that uh like i said he his character was the only thing in the movie that just really kind of irked me and obviously um you know, Tandy's act. Is it Tandy or Thandy? It's Tandy? Tandy. 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 Yeah. yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, her like her like is it there, is it not there accent was was irksome. But otherwise, like I said, I did not hate watching this movie. I watched it yesterday afternoon. Um, you know, I rented it. I was like, okay, this is not unwatchable. It's not and 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 in the like I'm glad you didn't give me why did I get married to. Let's put it that way. I'm glad we didn't have to watch that one. Oh man, there's but there's all kind of gems in that movie. That movie's so <laughs> ridiculous in parts. But anyway, that's not that movie. That 
Listen, yeah. I, that's one of the movies I look forward to doing when I do this thing because of how much I vividly remember stuff in that movie. I didn't remember a lot about this movie, to be honest with you. When I watched it, yeah. I found that I remember these movies a lot worse than they are sometimes. Yeah. Um, like in Good Deeds, I remember I, I had a negative mental response to thinking about this movie. And then I watched it. I was like, oh, it's not as bad as I remember it. Yeah. Um, not great, obviously, but not as bad as I remember it. And I was like, <clears throat> you know, I feel like in order to fix this movie to make it just a mediocre black film, just like any other movie out there, I, don't, I have to do less with this than I have a lot of other movies that I've looked at. Um, are, but, you, are you doing his like television shows, like the stuff that's no. on BT? Hell no. Have you watched any of those things? No. And My I God, there's no way to fix those things. Listen, I, I watched... <laughs> Like an, because I watched like uh, 20s and Boomerang on BET, yeah. Sisters, the TV show, leads into those. Yeah. And if you just watch the last minute of like Sisters before it goes into, I think 20s comes on first, you will want to break your television for the <laughs> fact that that is even on TV. So absolutely not. I'm not watching The Oval. I watched Ruthless, the, the, the cult one. I watched some episodes of that. And I actually thought that might be good because this is where Tyler Perry should shine. He sucks at scripts, but this is a movie about a cult with people who look like they're all oh, prince acolytes. Right. Like this should be perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like this is this is what he was made for. And even that managed to be ridiculous. Like it's called Ruthless because the main character's name is Ruth, but she's not even really the main character. So I have no idea why it's called. Like I don't understand why. Anyway, so no, I'm not doing a TV show. I mean, it's funny because it, I I hate to look at. I don't know if you do this because you watch a lot of uh, black. Do you do you ever compare and contrast other like black television shows and other black movies to Tyler Perry films? Like I'm, I'm asking this because like I'm watching Greenleaf right now. Like I'm watching it for the first time. I'm just I just finished season one and I'm enjoying it way more than I thought I was going to. Um, and. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this is a, basically a Tyler Perry type of program, but with, you know, a bit better writing, a bit, bit mm-hmm. better production values. Like, Absolutely. I mean, is, is Greenleaf going to win an Emmy? No, right? But, like, it's better. Like, it's almost like what would happen if Tyler Perry actually did have a writer's room. Like, you could take... You can take the the outline of his work, the skeleton of whatever it was that he's trying to do, and you can actually put some meat on that bones because Greenleaf is absolutely something that Tyler Perry would do. But yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't actually. Yeah, I was. I, I'm surprised he didn't do something along those lines. And to your point about Greenleaf, like I love Greenleaf. Like I, I watched that show religiously, no pun intended, and it's um, but it is very. It is so ridiculously over the top. Like there is every in that first season in particular, every possible thing that can happen in a black church happens in that first season. Right. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Somebody gets shot in the church. You got, you got Gang everything. Bear. It doesn't matter. Everything, everything that can happen. Yeah. And the only thing that separates it, I think, is that there are people who edited something when they did the script. And even then, the characters are still ridiculous. They're over the top. I mean, Lady J, she like. Lynn Whitfield's character is ridiculous as fuck. Like yeah. she is. Her so monologues are crazy. <laughs> oh my god, they're so ridiculous. I mean, um, Bishop's wardrobe looks like it came straight. Like, like if Tyler Perry script was a wardrobe, like it would. It's so crazy. <laughs> but 
Um, I do think the difference is it's just there's a little bit more care taken with it. You know what I mean? Um, I There's been one movie that I did watch that I remember saying, I wish Tyler Perry had made this movie because it would have been better. And that's oh, Jumping really? the Broom. Yeah. Jumping the Broom, which was the T.D. Jakes movie that had uh, oh, yeah, Paula yeah, Patton, yeah. Yes. Laz Alonzo. I've seen that movie uh, once. Mike Epps. Roman. And what they did, what he did with that movie was try to make it respectable. But in making it respectable, he made it boring. And I kept thinking to myself, man, if Ty- if Medea showed up, this would be a much better movie. <laughs> and I, that's the only time I've ever said that. Because, I, you know, Medea is typically just... Like, I don't hate the Medea character. I understand why people... I don't movie. either. But Medea's a crutch. Medea is there to make people laugh, right? Yeah. The rest of the movies tend to be terrible. The Medea parts are funny because yeah. they're so ridiculous. I um, and I was like, if Medea had showed up to this family, it would have been a better movie. But it's T.D. Jakes who's trying to make a Tyler Perry style movie because that's what sells without the, without the nonsense, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like is, you know. Yeah. Jumping um, the Broom was cute. It was cute. And it's always, I love to see um, comedians do more dramatic roles like Mike Epps and that had, had more mm-hmm. serious parts in that. I, I love that more, more comedians in dramatic roles. I love to see I, it. I didn't dislike Jumping the Broom either. I, yeah. I, I think I saw it in a the theater actually. Yeah, I did too. It was, I mean, it was just okay to me, and it was just. But I do remember. I remember having that thought. I actually wrote an article about that. Like, I think I wrote an article that said Tyler Perry would have made Jumping the Broom funny, or would have made it a movie that I cared about after it was over. Um, so, here's something that I had bad, and this is this is where um, knowledge becomes a problem. So, I mentioned earlier that Tandy Newton's character, everything bad happens. So I forgot to mention the fact that her husband died in Iraq. And she was in school, had to drop out and all this stuff. So here's where Tyler Perry's lack of research shows up. He had lack of research on the legal scenes and a fall from grace. Most people don't know this unless there's a military background. But I happen to because I worked for I worked on Capitol Hill for 14 years. And I happened to work in the uh, veterans part of of my budget portfolio was veterans. Mm -hmm. So because of the way her husband died, he died in Iraq. Um, as an active duty soldier, mm-hmm. she would have been entitled to five hundred thousand dollars tax free. She would have got a hundred thousand dollar death benefit and four hundred dollar. Uh, they have this thing called service members group life insurance that all soldiers uh, are automatically enrolled into. There's like a ninety nine percent take rate on this insurance program. If you are a a uh, if you are a service member and you die in the line of duty, and a person in Iraq would have died in the line of duty, you get a four hundred thousand dollar payout. So she would have gotten almost in less than two weeks, probably um, $500,000 in a check and would have gotten money to bury him, like been paid money to bury him. So the the he dies and I'm left with nothing doesn't actually work. I actually went back and checked because this movie was <laughs> made in 2012 to see when that law went into effect to see if it would have kicked in in her case. And that the law that made that a thing because the death penalty death penalty used to be a benefit used to be like 12, five, 12,500. It got kicked up to a hundred thousand because of the war in Iraq operation enduring freedom, Iraqi freedom and all that stuff. Um, and then it was retroactive to October, 2001 when I don't know if y'all know this, cause why would you, we're technically still in wartime with Iraq, like the war that the, in after um, nine 11, the war that was kicked off is never officially ended. So if you're a if you're a soldier and you die in the line of duty, all these things kick in no matter what right now. Yeah. So 
she would have been entitled to half a million dollars. Yeah. They literally would have sent her a check. She didn't even have to apply for it. They would have sent it to her, right? Um, yeah, yeah, okay. So when I saw that, I didn't remember what happened. When she mentioned it, I was like, oh, this movie falls apart right here because this is not real. Like, this is literally the opposite of what would have happened. I'm like, so if I'm writing this movie, I would have just Googled uh, military Ooh. death in Iraq, and it would have came up like, oh, death, like all this stuff immediately pops up. Mm-hmm. So that pissed me off because I'm like, yeah. all you had to do was do a Google search. I would have to go in there and fix all that. Like he could have, he he would have had to like been a drunk driver who killed somebody as a service member who died. Like you have to you have to have died of willful misconduct in order to not qualify for any of that stuff. In order for your your surviving spouses not to qualify for any of that stuff. So I would have fixed that. I actually would have got rid of Brian White's character altogether. He added nothing <laughs> to the movie. He literally added zero to the movie outside of a reason. For us to see how much contempt this one man has for women. He didn't even get the job. He didn't even get the business at the end of the movie. Like, there was no purpose for him in the movie. Like, like he was somehow still content at the end to be sitting at the table. And also there was that little mini backstory about how he saved Wesley's life when they were kids. Yes. Um, but then right. nothing else about You don't need it. He's, he's unnecessary to the story at all. Tyler Perry just really likes Brian, Brian White and was like, Dog, I got a movie. I got a character for you. You're going to hate him because he's the same character you've been playing. Like, <laughs> he's just got a different name, but it's yours if you want it. I would also imagine. Like he's, I'm sorry, I mean, go ahead. No, you good. Go ahead. I would also imagine that is they made it sound like when Child Protective Services took the child away and they were like, yo, you got to do blah, 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 blah. Like, I do think they yada yada that whole process away because. You looked in the next scene. Okay, now she's staying in a corporate apartment. And she's got her kid back. Like, is that is it that easy? Like, oh, bam, you got a home. Boom, here's your kid. Like, I I don't know, but I would imagine that is probably a little bit more nuanced. Like, if you're going to have your child removed from you in your custody, um, do they just give you a kid back if you find a house? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. That, but that that I mean that's the Tyler Perry universe stuff, right? Because I. Right. I imagine if I'm a business person, listening to some of their business conversations are probably nonsense. Yeah. Like when he's figuring out <laughs> what went wrong, like, oh, he's he's, you know, gotcha to the people that are doing whatever. I'm like, I wonder, is, does any of this make any sense? Because it doesn't even sound like it makes sense to me. But right. maybe there's a whole world I'm just not familiar with where what he's talking about. But I feel like they kind of they kind of skirt over that stuff a little bit, you know, just for the for the sake for the sake of the story. Like he's a successful businessman. And but again, I don't even see what the that wasn't even necessary to the story. Like he could just be the CEO, like a, a potentially struggling business or the, a, a, a business that he's running that has the potential to have some issues is unnecessary. You don't need the beef between him and his brother because it doesn't play into the story at all. Like it's just unnecessary. Like he can have a controlling mother without seeing the how much she hates her other son, too. Like it just doesn't it doesn't you don't need it. You know what I mean? Well, he needs, um, he has to, he has to be given things to fix. So he has to fix the company. He has to fix his brother by picking him up every day. He has to fix this homeless woman who he's well, you know that, everyone. But is Andy just, Newton being fixed is different. I mean, and mm-hmm. I hate to say it that way, but like he didn't actually fix his brother. Like at the end of the movie, he's still not giving the company to his brother, who's still an angry black man. Like he's still mad as hell. But he was you know calmer at like, the end, no? Like when he sat no, at the remember, table with the white dude. 
Yeah, he walked in, and that was like his redemptive moment. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's right. He he was. He had the moment of, I guess he his resolution. But again, you still don't need him. Nobody has to come <laughs> sit down at the table. We don't need to see the table. Like the your business is actually. I feel like what you said earlier, Demetria, was like there's something you want to put in a movie, and then you got to build a whole other movie around it, right? Like that kind of thing. I feel like that's what it is. Like he realized he had like 30 minutes of a movie. He was like, damn, we got to add some other stuff in here, y'all. Like we got to at least get to an hour and a half. So let's create some business dealings and all this other stuff. Like he could be staying at work late at night just because he's a CEO of a company. He doesn't have to be there because he's trying to find some way to to make sure that this older company, like it's just the storylines about like their father and stuff were, un- it was good for exposition, like explaining to her, like how he got where he is unimportant for the the main story to me so i would i, I probably would have just slimmed that down altogether um or at least made his brother more interesting like his like you mentioned his brother being like angry and all that make him more funny like he can be funny and a bad guy too like give him something show we needed to see a scene of them where they actually liked being around each other at some point or something that actually made it seem like he had a purpose in being there outside of just the guy who hates women so he makes his brother's life difficult because of it. Right. Yeah. And I don't see the purpose of having a, um, you know, making this, it, it is a dramatic announcement that we're not getting married at your engagement party. But then it's still like, womp, womp. Like, this should be a moment in the movie. And it's not. I mean, you want to make it, something soapy and dramatic, like, do something, you know? Yeah, like, like, what? Huh? <laughs> yeah. It was just like, yeah, we're not going to get married. Can I talk to you for a minute? Actually, can we do this now? Because I feel like I got I got to do this, and nobody's gonna be happy with me. We got to talk about Felicia Rashad's career. Oh. I really think we overstate her career, y'all. I oh. really think we have turned her into. I think we've turned Claire Huxtable into this wondrous uh, uh, something because she's been in a lot of she's been in a lot of films and things that just ain't that good, and I, she ain't killing no scenes in any of this stuff. I brought this up when I did my the first episode of this podcast when I did about a fall from grace. Yeah. Because she's in that. Yeah. And I was like, man, she's like, I was like, man, she's in a lot of Tyler Perry movies. I it's actually like, have to think about what she's been in other than Tyler Perry movies. Like, what, what like, off the top of your head? We all think she's too good for this. No, she's on um, she David Makes Man. Have you seen David Makes Man? I have seen no. David Makes Man, and her, that was her. a very confusing show. Really? You thought I, I loved it. I and I love the child it. actors, and I don't usually like child actors like that. But it's like one of it. those things where I was like, it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like it's filmed so well. Like it was, it, it had, I literally had that reaction and I just, I couldn't really, it didn't keep my attention. But even then, I didn't think she was wonderful in that either. I mean, she wasn't bad or anything like that. But I think I've had a lot of, comp- like, I remember when A Fall from Grace came out, people were like, why is Felicia Rashad doing this? Why is mm-hmm. Cicely Tyson in this? I'm like, yo, they be in his movies, y'all. Y'all just don't watch them. <laughs> right. But yeah. we also think that they're, they don't belong there. Like some people are too good to be in this type of movie. Yeah. And I don't know if we're like, I don't know if it's a check for people or if they just like his films. So they read these scripts. They, I imagine these are smart individuals. Mm-hmm. They see the movies that we see mm-hmm. or they read the scripts. At least they can't be like, wow, this is my, this is, this is it. Y'all this is the one that going to win the awards. This is the, this is the one. Right. But you know, they do these movies anyway and they're not helping their legacies because these movies are not that good. Well, I mean, I think I actually asked Felicia Rashad um, a couple years ago. Oh, I was interviewing her. Insider. For, Insider I know. 
it's not insider it's a publicly released uh, interview you can find it online um, but, um, I was interviewing her about David makes man and she was just talking about the the arc of her career and how she's just she's very happy that she can even have work you know especially a, a right. woman an actress and a black woman like you are put out to pasture usually you know by the time you turn 40 right. or start looking like it or something like, or just relegated to boring you know very predictable type roles so she's out here trying to do different stuff like she was on empire um she, she um, was on empire <laughs> right and she uh right. and a fall from grace and like those are both um devious very not clear huxtable type roles for her I mean, and she, she, this she, is is, she is a tony award winning actress like mm -hmm. is so from the theater like so you know she is like True. grace personified but i think she's just like having fun doing different shit and especially um cicely tyson like she could do whatever she wants like yeah you know, i think cicely's at the point <laughs> cicely's like the grandma who gets to say what she wants and everybody just got to take it at this point mm -hmm. like right. she come in and say listen y'all Slavery wasn't that bad. You'd be like, you know what? That's just grandma talking. Let her have it. Yeah. <laughs> She's been here long enough. She earned it. Um, watch Negroes. We ain't been to the theater, so we haven't seen uh, Felicia Rashad win her Tonys. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, she won for like Raising in the... She won for... Was it a... Um, I uh, forgot. Sun? It was one of the... Was it the Raising in, Raisin in the Sun? Was it that one? Might have been Raising in the Sun. I don't remember, but she won one. <laughs> right. And I, you know, listen, I, I love, I love Felicia Rashad. Mm -hmm. I just remember the conversations around this, around a fall from grace when people were confused that she would stoop to the level of being in one of his films. Cause people have a very low opinion of his movies. So they're like, why would anybody, any respectable individual be here? Right. right. And I'm just like, eh, I don't know. I mean, a lot of very famous black people have been in Tyler Perry movies and will continue yeah. to be in. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg was in Nobody's Fool with Tiffany Haddish. Like, like there are always big names in his movies. Nobody's um, Fool. Dude, I mean, Kathy Bates was in freaking a fam The Family That Prays. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the misery lady and she's there I hanging know. out. You know what I'm saying? Alfre Woodard is in that movie. You know, it's like yeah. these... I, 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 want, I always wonder is like is the work that hard to get, which kind of speaks to a loose what you're speaking to, uh, Demetria, or if they just love Tyler Perry, so like, of course I'll be in one of your movies, bro. Like, it gives me a chance to to get a check, yeah. work, and I actually like you. You're doing, you're doing this black excellence out here. Of course I'll be in this movie, and yeah. I know exactly what I'm getting into. Right. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> now, I think now, it's I don't, that. I don't, I don't think Viola would do a Tyler Perry movie again. Not right now. Not 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 where she is in her career. Like I don't think I don't think you win an Oscar and go back and do Tyler Perry movies. I don't care. Um, I don't. I, I don't didn't agree. Didn't Taraji? Huh? What? D didn't Taraji? I mean, she, was she just nominated for Benjamin Button? She was. She was nominated for Benjamin Button, and the song that she sang won an Oscar, but she didn't. You know, get that Oscar. You know, that was right, what so, you did get. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want an acting Oscar. And go back to Tyler Perry. That that's and uh, that's not true. If Monique and Tyler Perry were on good terms, she'd be in a movie right now. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> There's yeah, I no way you can say it's not the case. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think, um, and especially with some of these older and very seasoned actors who continue to go back to him, I think oh. it's just kind of 
fun for them and they get exposed to maybe a different audience than they had in their prime. Um, you know, and maybe, maybe there's the Jesus element to it. You know, Tyler Perry being a man of faith in the church and stuff. Maybe they're like, you know, maybe they feel some, you know, you know, they feel like it, it, they owe it to their creator to go and work with this man whose work is sanctified in the blood of whatever. Yeah, and he's I mean, a he's the only black gatekeeper I was like just him. About to say that, like yep. he's the only one, you know. Like, how many people get to work for the black director and all these other things? Like, I'm I'm literally this is a this is an actual black production. Like, how many people? It, it, one that will, people will see that you know will actually get in theaters. You know what I mean? Like, how many people? There ain't too. There's nobody like that. Like, there's no there's nobody guaranteed like that anyway. You know what I mean? Like, he controls all the factors of production, the resources. I mean. That's a gift and a curse because he controls all of the resources and the factors of production and yeah. all the other stuff too. But you know, I mean, that gets back to the again the gift and the curse. That's Tyler Perry, like like excellence on one end. Like when we talk about Tyler Perry, we talk about everything but the actual movies. There's not a single movie that he's made that I think rises to the level of black movie we'll be talking about the way we talk about Love Jones right. or Love and Basketball or Poetic Justice. Any of those movies. I mean, some of that's nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But he has no movies that will ever rise to that level. Not at this point. Um, have you ever talked about uh, on any of these cat? I think you only did one, right, so far. Um, you know, Tyler also has the reputation of not paying his people. And I want well, Taraji said that was the one time she got paid like she was supposed to be paid, though. When she did, I think I can do battle by myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh. but you know, I think when you start talking about like the buzzings of you know the kind of the reputation. I mean, have you heard that, Demetria? No, I heard about um, the some years ago when he had that uh, writers' union issue when he actually right. did have writers and blah blah blah. There was some payment issue with that, but as okay. far as everything else, I haven't heard that. Yeah, I just I, I caught glimpses of that. You know, I I actually have a um, I don't know if you guys know the name Michelle Sneed, but um, you know that's Tyler Perry's um, president of production and development, and she's actually a, a good family friend of ours, a good family friend of mine, and like she's killing it. She's like Tyler Perry's like one of his like <laughs> second and thirds in command, and um. And I know, you know, she. I know she works very hard, and I know that her, I know that his people work very hard. I don't know if he has like a full on born crew of folks, or if he's just kind of doing most of the work himself, and he has a little skeleton crew so he can collect that guap. But I, you know, I'm I'm curious to know about him. I don't even think it's about collecting the guap for him. He got he yeah. got enough money. I think honestly, for him, it's about control getting the stories told yeah it's about control and getting these things out like it's okay i mean that's why he'll say you know it took five days to shoot a fall from grace like i need to get this done like y'all we just i don't have two months to keep y'all on for this stuff like this i'm not because i think tyler perry gets his money on the back end so i don't think he's these students ain't giving him the money up front like he's just maybe that's the deal he has for like look i can do all this stuff myself pay me on the back end. Don't give me an advance. Give me the checks. Right. So, yeah. I mean, there's no reason for him to have shot a fall from grace in five days. It's not like he didn't have the studio. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Like, nah. Right. <laughs> right. All right. So what, what, if you are, if you had to give an MVP for this movie, what would be the MVP of this movie? And that could be anything script individuals, whatever, like what would be the MVP of this movie for you? Um, it is, completely unrelated to the movie kind of but um that kitchen table 
I loved it. Like with the, it was like a tree. It was like the branches, like supporting the um, the glass tabletop. Loved it. I, I like actually rewound it um, so I could look at it some more. That's okay. my MVP. There you go. That's that, <laughs> that says a lot. All by itself. All right, Dustin, what you got? Oh God. Uh, Wow, that hard to come up with. <laughs> I'm sure there's something that I that, that I just I really enjoy. Oh, um, I did enjoy some of the interpolations of songs in the movie. Like there were there were a couple of like songs in the movie that weren't like the original versions of them. Right. I and I can't tell you like time after time and yeah, time and... after time. I did I did enjoy some of the music. I didn't. But it was also music. very spot on though. Like here is the music for this scene. This is what is happening. Uh, you know, yeah. like, oh, I, I, I appreciate that kind of stuff because you know who's re- you know who else does that does that literal thing? Issa insecure, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, <laughs> insecure boy. If there's yeah. a song that has the words that just repeated what was happening there, but I but I happen to really like all those songs too. So like the the insecure soundtracks are awesome to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think for me, there's probably going to be two, and I don't know, one of them is an actual MVP. So Tyler Perry had a pretty solid, crispy line through the whole movie. Like whoever was is edging him up, like did a really good job. Like that's got to be his personal barber that he keeps with him at all times. Because my man was looking like perfectly crispy, like edged in the way that that um Steve Harvey has to pay for the dye and stuff like that. It was solid. Wait. But also, we didn't even talk about this, but I meant to bring it up with the genealogy thing. I laughed so hard when it opened up with I'm a fifth generation Ivy League graduate right. who can trace my like family back to some tribe and somewhere. I was like <sighs> and then juxtaposed right next to that right up against like I'm privileged. Like somehow the ability to trace your family ends up making you some kind of privilege. It's I loved it. I was like, man, way to set this up as you were just you were the best of the best of the best. Then throwing your mama under the bus because she's a that that's the one good thing that Brian White was there for to remind Felicia Rashad's character that she came out of Trailer Park. Right, like ain't that where Daddy met you at the Trailer right, Park? You got pulled out of. <laughs> I was like, wow, like I can't believe she ain't slapped the holy shit out of him across the table. But so that my MVP would be the 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 early exposition and how ridiculous he had to make himself <laughs> in order for you to understand. Just how important and how whatever it was for him, like you know what, Good job. you're like in the 1700s, bro. Like, I mean, oh. Like, what is oh, I got another question. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Another question the motors, the, the Harley Davidson cruiser in the front of the, of the of the deed spot. She brought the motorcycle. How did that motorcycle get there? She 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 took it from it was a test drive, right? From the motorcycle shop she used to work at. Right. Did she ride it over there? So she. Well, yeah, she she could ride. Okay. Remember, she said they had a conversation early on when they were in the pizza shop. Okay. When he not only feeds her and her child, he gives the child the money to play video games and yeah, yeah. you know, he was really on his captain set. You know, he was really, really and going for that's it. That's where her um, deceased husband used to work or whatever. Like that's what she said also in that scene. Yeah, I I was wondering about it because you know. I was because my understanding of motorcycles is that you know someone like there is a tremendous size difference between Tyler Perry and Tandy Newton. So I was just wondering if they could ride the same bike. I don't know. So, <laughs> oh, I, 
also laughed because she called Brian White a midget in that scene. And I'm like, that yeah. couldn't have been written in. That had to be something she threw in there when she called him a midget. And I laughed <laughs> so hard because it was so unexpected. Like, because he's not a midget. He's not a, t- like, you know, you know who his father is? His father was like famous basketball player, Jojo White. Like, um, mm-hmm. Kansas, like Kansas legend. He played for the Boston Celtics. Like, he was a, a, a you know, Jojo White was in, he, he's actually in the movie. What's the movie about um, the black team from Texas Western that won, uh, it's not called Glory Road, whatever it's called. It was like the movie about starting the five black players on a basketball team to play Kentucky. Nah, um, no. I can't remember the name. I can't believe I'm forgetting it. I'm blanking on it right now. But Jojo White was was played in one of those games. I'm like, oh, but that's his father. His father. So Brian White's not a tiny guy. I mean, he might not be. He ain't Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry's huge. But, you know, he ain't a tight. So when she called him a midget, you know, especially because she's pretty small. Yeah, she's tight. Like, it was just like, wow, that was couldn't have been in the script. Had to be ad-libbed. She had to throw that at him trying to. And she probably cut him real deep because he's not as tall as his father in real life. And his father passed away. But I don't think he was as tall as his actual father. No, um, he, don't, he don't look basketball height. No, <laughs> no. It's hard to tell on screen. I mean, like. You know, you look at the whole show Power, like all them niggas is short. Like they got 50 Cent looking like a hulking giant. And, you know, he's probably like an inch shorter than me in real life. So I, I it's hard for me to tell on those things. Right, right. Yeah. All right. So the LVP, what's, who's your least valuable player? What is your least valuable player in this movie? I'll even start just to give just to the the the, the worst thing about it to me was just how how bad Tandy Newton's character had it. Like she did, there was just no like it. It four of the four of the ten things that went wrong were completely unnecessary. She did not have to be assaulted at the at the at the shelter. It's bad enough that she had to take her, her daughter to the shelter. Like it was unnecessary to make that a thing. It was unnecessary. It's like in the movie Temptation. Randy didn't need to have HIV. It was unnecessary for the storyline. It was completely <laughs> unnecessary. But Tyler Perry just couldn't stop. He just he gets excited about pain. So he just starts adding, layering on more and more things. So that's that definitely was the LVP for me. I'm just like, your life don't have to be this bad. Yeah, definitely for me would be um, the script for sure. Um, and especially right since I just finished watching um, Little Fires Everywhere. And uh, the LA Times did this great little behind the scenes thing of, of their writer's room, their great, brilliant writer's room, and how which had a lot of women. I think three of them were black women um, yeah, I just on that. And and it was just like really dynamic. Like they had real back and forth conversations, just kind of kneading into the material about how best to shape this, how to make it realistic, what is what rings true for this character. And there's like none of that (laughs) in Tyler Perry thing. And that's why it's so it's so frustrating. It almost feels disrespectful to see something like a fall from grace with mics in the shot and wigs being different mid scene and all that kind of stuff. It's like, man, come on, you have so many resources and you could be employing even more black creatives to do even greater storytelling. Keep on doing the same story all the time if you want to, but you know, we can up the level a little bit, like, you know, do something a little different. Right. I do think his cameras get better every time. His his cameras seem to be much better. The camera in A Fall From Grace was a good camera. I was like, these are some very crisp shots. The rest of the movie was just trash. <laughs> like, I can really see that microphone in the shot right here. Right, like, it's right. Great. I, I can, can really see that guy <laughs> eating air in the background because right. you pay, you went all out for that really good camera. <laughs> um, Priorities. Yeah. 
Right, right. Okay, so let's do so let's do this and let's do the celeb report card right quick before we get out of here. So I'm gonna go down each one of the celebrities mm-hmm. and we can we can grade them A through F on their performance. Um, Tyler Perry is the star of this movie, so I got I typically wouldn't include him, but I gotta include him because he's in it. So what do you give Tyler Perry in this movie? A through F. I actually think Tyler Perry does really good in his movies because they're his movies. He wrote the script. He knows what he's trying to get out of them. I think he does just fine in them. He's just a victim of his own scripts too. So I give him a I I give Tyler Perry a B. I would actually agree with that because like he's obviously he's very comfortable with the script because he wrote it, um, mm-hmm. and, and so he'll have these little moments that feel familiar, um, little ums yep. or blah blah blahs in it, and it seems like he's actually you know having a conversation with someone or what have yeah. you. Even when he's trying to be compassionate and stuff like that, like it feels genuine. Like oh, this is how I wanted to get this across. Like when he's driving away or when he won't leave them in the car that they don't have gas for. Like, you know, he seemed like he really cared. I was like, oh, that was a good... He executed that well, but that's because he wrote it, and that's what he was trying to get across. Like, he had... He knows how to execute his vision, in my opinion. Which is why he doesn't hire people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if he could play every role, I guess he probably would. So then again, we we didn't... We wouldn't criticize, like, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio played, like, 300 roles in Coming to America. Man, it was They funny. were in every one of the roles. So... <laughs> Maybe Tyler should do that. He'd just be a really big woman in every really big love interest in all of his movies. All right. Uh, what, what do you think, Dustin? What did you give Tyler Perry? As far as like his total, we're talking about as an, as an actor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the movie. In the movie. Uh, I'm going to give him like, Tyler Perry is not a terrible actor. No, he's not. Tyler Perry's not a terrible actor. I would give Tyler Perry's acting a B slash B minus. Okay. Okay. Uh, Tandy Newton. I like Tandy, um, <laughs> and uh, Westworld is getting all weird right now and stuff. But um, I've been told I need to check out that show. I've never seen it. It's it's extremely cerebral now. Like you really have to watch every second of the episode to catch everything. Um, but Tandy and this, uh, yeah. I'm gonna have to go with it. I'm gonna have to go with a good C. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with C. Okay. All right, Dustin. Um, I'm gonna give her. A, I'm I'm gonna give her a C, mainly because of that accent. I will go. I'm not gonna go C minus. I'll go C. I I, I stick with I stick with Demetri on that one. Yeah, I'm gonna give her a B because I was really entertained by her attitude. Like it was just unnecessary most of the time. Like she just. <laughs> I I know she's been through a lot. I know she's been through a lot, but she really ramped it up anywhere that she could. I was like, you know what? I can't tell if she's just really having fun with this, or. If Tyler was like, you know, I just need more attitude. I just need more black girl attitude. She's like, you know, I'm not from here. He's like, no, I need, but I need you give me hood black girl. And she was like, cool. Like, so I know I just, you're not asking me for no ass. What? Right. Like, I just, that was, <laughs> it, it, right. I was just like, this is, this is so ridiculous. I'm really enjoying this. Um, Brian White. AKA one note, one note B. One, mo- one note B, Ryan. Deep I'm going to, no, I'm, I'm giving him an A because um, he was, he, he executed what was given to him. If you put all of the lines on one page that he had, in this, I mean, from, hey, bitch, to, didn't daddy pick you up right, in the trailer park? Right. I mean, like, I mean, he, he popped it off. I believe this. I believe this. You know. Yeah. I, I also give him an A. I think he did exactly what he was supposed to do. <laughs> Tyler was like, make them hate you. 
was like, say no more. <laughs> he went in there and was achieved his goal. What you got, Dustin? Uh, I'm 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 thinking of the scene of him in the uh, elevator, and that that scene was just like pure. Over. He cried. He cried in the elevator. He might. <laughs> he he. Uh, yeah, their fight was weird. Like when they were coming from the hallway to the elevator, it was like some weird thing when Tyler fight. got turned around or something. It was it was weird. <laughs> but now that I remember, remember that he cried. I'm giving him an A plus. Oh, okay. He got tears. He 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 drew tears for the movie, and I bet that wasn't in the script. But he was on the floor crying. A plus. All right, I give him. A, I'm, I'm giving him a B plus, man. Ain't nobody in this movie getting no A, fam. <laughs> All right. Not even our next person, Felicia Rashad. No. Rashad, <laughs> she don't really have like Felicia Rashad. I, okay, it's tough for me to take it in context. She has no range. As an, I, I, I've never seen her on 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 the stage. I admit that, but she basically has the same type of demeanor and everything that she's done on screen from the Cosby show on down. Like, there's not a whole lot of range to her character. She kind of plays this soft-spoken, like, erudite, you know, maternal-type character. And either that, and in this case, you know, it might be a little something more devious to that character. And Fall From Grace, there definitely was. But it's the same shit. And so I don't look at it like, oh, my God, like, yo, this chick dug into her acting reservoir and pulled off some Heath Ledger and Dark Knight type shit. Like, I just, you know, I'm like, that's Felicia. But she had a job to do. Mm -hmm. How well did she do her job is the question. I mean, that was the job she had to do. Right. So was she an effective, slightly devious mother to two kids where she illustrated that she, she like one didn't really care for one, <laughs> and she loved the other. The other one was her her safety net, and was the the person that she viewed closer to her husband. Like you know, like to me, she did fine. And I, I mean, I want, I don't know if it was an A performance, but that's only because I don't think there was enough of her to really give. Like you know, she she had a couple she had a couple scenes. She was fine. You know, she was she was fine. She gets a B. She had a solid solid performance for me. Yeah, okay. I mean, and I think maybe, you know, Dustin is saying how she's kind of the same person all the time. It might be on some old school respectability stuff where she only plays characters that are of a certain, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Even if they do some devious stuff like murder people or whatever, um, it'll fall from grace. Like it's, um, I think it's maybe just like a bar that she has set for herself. Like she was n- never going to play a, a crackhead or a blah, blah, blah or something like that. I don't know. I'm making that up. Um, I mean, to that end, though, I actually thought A Fall From Grace was kind of range for her because she was playing a devious, like, scam artist. Mm-hmm. She was being, we would normally expect her just to be somebody's mama, and she was, but this was a mama who was a basically damn near murderous, um, you know, scam- scammer. Yeah, I mean, she was oh, a, okay. a kidnapper on um, Empire, but, but it was still a oh, woman of certain true. means. Like, it was still, <laughs> right. you know... Kind of thing. All right, I'm gonna I'm give I'm gonna give Felicia Rashad a pass and pass fail. I'm just gonna give her a pass. All right, fair uh, enough. That's all I. Can I agree with that because she didn't have a lot of she didn't have a lot of lines, and you know, and the ones that were given to her were whatever. She did get to slap somebody. Right. That's cool. So I guess we're gonna have to do the Gabrielle Union pass fail thing too because she was. I mean, <laughs> she was just okay. I, but she got to be drunk. She got to be upset. She got to be 
Like you, you got. She gave yeah. you some emotions. She gave. She gave you something. She gave us something to work with. <laughs> she, I, she worked with what she had and her emotionless engagement. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she gave us horny. She gave us drunk. She gave us um, I don't know, annoyed, disappointed. Uh, yeah, I'll I, give her a pass. She was serviceable. You could have you could have replaced her. I think it, you didn't need Gabrielle Union in that role. It could have been it could have been anybody. I think. Yeah, could I mean Wesley could have been anybody. <laughs> True. I, I I mean I I I did think about who I would have would have been better in that role with the same script if they would have br- been able to bring something more to it. Nobody. Um, it don't matter. <laughs> Boris Kojo Boris Kojo could have done it sure Boris Kojo why Boris not Boris Kojo the greatest the greatest actor of all time yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> alright wait so did, does are we just all giving her a pass we doing a pass fail thing for Gabrielle too or I'm cool yeah Gabrielle Gabrielle in this in this movie like it's the same Gabrielle that's been Gabrielle and since Bring It On and you know I, I'm okay with it. I'm not like get this chick out of this room. No. Yeah, I mean she she talked to her friend about she didn't want to hear about her damn kids no more. She you know she did. She tried to she have did. facial expressions. Right, <laughs> she did. She was solid. Yeah. All right. Um, wig report. So I do this wig report. Were there any <laughs> wigs, any bad wigs that made you like WTF? And oddly. I mean, I know people wear wigs and stuff, but the hair wasn't really an issue in this film for me. Um, nobody's hair was over the top or ridiculous. Or the, the first time I actually noticed anybody's hair was just that the little girl's hair was done when they were on the plane. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the first time I ever actually said, oh, look at her hair. Like, everybody else was just. Yeah. Like you said, as you said a lot here, serviceable. I mean, it, it was fine. Like, it, it worked. Um there wasn't anything over the top. Gabriel usually just had like a bun or a ponytail or something. And um, Tandy yeah. just had a messy thing going on um, most of the time. And um, Felicia Rashad is, you know, I'm sure she comes with all of her stuff that she needs. Right. You know, she Iman's going to do what Iman's going to do. Um, you know. All right. Well, um, where can we find you guys? Like where, like, you know, this is your opportunity to plug yourself before we get out of here. So, Demetria, tell the people where they can find you. Um, yeah, you can find me on uh, Instagram and the Twitter streets um, at love underscore is underscore dope. Um, like I just mentioned, I have a, a piece in Zora magazine that went up last week. Um, that is the seed of something bigger. Um, so okay. be on the lookout for more stuff from me very soon. Awesome, awesome. What about you, Dustin? Um, God, I'm I'm up in here using this quarantine time to slowly chip away at this book that I'm working on about my exploits and misdeeds in the dating world following my, uh, you know, divorce. And you know, obviously, we're still in the the nascent stages of it all. So hopefully, you know, that becomes a serious thing within the next year or so. Otherwise, I'm still doing work. Um, I, I'm, I've been doing stuff for BET.com lately, so you can uh, find my stuff there. Um, my blog, WaffleColor.com, has has gone neglected for probably about nine months now. But, you know, 
who knows? I'm I, I could always find a reason to post some shit that I couldn't publish anywhere else. So, you know, keep an right. eye. It's got a nice little nice little trove of stuff that you can already read if you haven't read it yet. I'm at Justice2K, J-U-S-T-I-C-E-2K on Instagram. Same thing on um, Twitter. That's something I came up with in college. Don't ask. And, yeah, that's where you can find me. All right. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate y'all joining me for this uh, podcast episode. Yeah. Uh, good conversation about a movie that I think I liked more than either of you all, but oh, such sure. is life. <laughs> um, and like is probably a strong word. I just didn't hate it. Okay. But such is life. So I appreciate y'all. Thanks for joining me on this. This was fun. And um, y'all have a good one. This Soak it in. Familiar feeling you ain't used to this. Had to get a little closer. Way you moving it. They say you lies, but you see right through the foolishness. And you just do the little things. What can I say? When we link up, that's what brightens up my day. Having you here is something I can never trade. Let's get the action, make it happen here today. No delays, I can't let you leave. Yeah. I'm at peace when you lay next to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I can't ask for nothing extra. This ain't no one better, this connection happened naturally Baby, I see you trying to make moves You feel like you can't love nobody right now But baby, I can never hate you for that It's clear I care about you, really, no doubt And I said, baby, you ain't used to this, I know You scared to try two things right now But these two things, I know It won't last always, baby, you see better days I said, baby,